And now, here's Matt Mosley. Oh, it is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show. We are preparing to go to Kansas City, and this man will be headed with the Bears, always is there in Kansas City. It is Pat Nunley, the uh, radio analyst of the Baylor Bears. And, uh, Pat, first of all, congratulations. Uh, that was kind of – that was a lot of fun the other day when uh, I looked up. I was at the game with my daughter, and there suddenly was Pat Nunley standing, and the whole place was uh, giving you a standing O. And you still look uh, – you still look very young, and so it's kind of jolting to hear that you've been, like, on radio for 40 years. That seems – that seems impossible. Now, I heard a couple of numbers thrown out. They said something about 38 – and then 40, so you can set the record straight. But uh, I was uh, that was really fun the other day. Congratulations on that. Thank you, Matt. It, it was uh, I was as, as surprised as you and your daughter were. Uh, <laughs> I think it was John Morris working his magic again. I, I literally had no idea that was happening. No idea. In fact, we're in a break, and I look up, and there's a there's a camera in my face, and I'm thinking maybe they're shooting somebody behind me. Uh-huh. And then John says, hey, uh, stand up. And by the way, take your headset off. And I said, why? I mean, what are we doing? And I stand up, and here comes Don Rogers with a, a trophy case, a ring case. And I'm telling you, it took me a minute to, I'm not kidding, to figure out what exactly was happening. Because I didn't know. And I was overwhelmed. I, I was so honored by that. Um, just it's a joy to be able to do that every day. I still look forward to every single game, but I think John Morris was the culprit behind that. And I'm so thankful. He He's always doing things like that. He's the most other centric human being. I think I know. So I have him to thank for that. But all I can say, Matt, is my first year was 1981-82. And so whatever uh-huh. that adds up to, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm not sure how many years, but that's when I started. And I've never started. Uh-huh. Well, it's hard to keep. I mean, John, you'll every once in a while you'll hear somebody did four or five hundred games, and we're celebrating somebody did six hundred. So, but that's a lot of years. And uh, but most people, it it takes a while before they go straight into the radio broadcast booth. And Pat, you basically walked off the court for Baylor uh, into the uh, into the booth. Now, what was uh, what were Frank Fallon's instructions to you in those early days, the uh, the longtime voice of the Bears, who's obviously a Hall of Famer, longtime voice of the Final Four? What were the uh, what were the most important things that Frank shared with you early on? Well, when when I first started doing it, I said, Frank, I have no earthly idea what I'm doing. He said, That's okay. <laughs> just just hit your wagon to me, and we'll get through it. And I tell people doing a broadcast with Frank was like doing a broadcast with your granddad because he had that nice way about him. He brought you along. He brought you in when it was appropriate. He's coaching you the whole time, never high pressure ever. And it's interesting, Matt, along the way, and I hadn't been doing it very long, but I had to go do a play-by-play game in Alaska. The team was playing a tournament at the top of the world classic in Fairbanks, Alaska. He couldn't go. He was doing football. And so he's checking everybody. Nobody else can do it. So I get the nod, and I am scared to death. I, I, it was hard enough to do color, and all of a sudden here I am going to I'm going to do play by play for as many games as Baylor plays in that tournament. And I said, Frank, <laughs> what do I what do I think about? Like, how do I avoid dead air? And you're so seamless in a broadcast. How can I even begin to replicate that? 
And Matt, he wrote out for me a list of 20 things or so to think about during the broadcast. I still have it in his own handwriting. He gave it to me and said, here's some things that, that will help you avoid dead air and, and say a few things that would be listening to or would be interesting to the listener, like what's the color scheme of, of the opposing team's jerseys? What are the surroundings like? Uh, what kind of floor are they playing on? Is it wood or is it tartan? Because we actually played on some tartan services back in the day. And it was a masterpiece. It really was. And I use that. And it got me through a couple of play-by-play broadcasts, which I'm glad are not recorded. They're, they're not to be found anywhere, so don't go looking for them. You don't want to hear them anyway. <laughs> but that was it. That was it. He guided me along and gave me those sorts of words of wisdom. And it was a, it was a joy to be able to work with him. He, and even like J-Mo, he's even a better person than he is a broadcaster, which says an awful lot. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Talking to Pat Nunley. Wait, can you remember that at uh, the Alaska tournament, like who would have been on that Baylor team? Was this would this have been like 84, 85? I'm trying to think if uh, Carlos Briggs and some of that gang had arrived at uh, at Baylor at the time. You know, I, I think it was I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I don't remember. All I remember, <laughs> all I remember Matt, it was 20, 20 degrees below. Oh, my. That was, out of, that was on the thermometer without a wind chill. Uh, I do remember, I think Billy Gillespie was on that staff. I think he was. That was So that may have been Harry Miller. But that was so long oh, ago. Wow. I, I have forgotten only those parts of the story I've just told you. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. It's a lot of fun. And I can't imagine you having trouble filling any time. I heard you emcee an event the other night. I think it's uh, you've become very comfortable over the years, and that was a nice gathering at the uh, Baylor Line Foundation Hall of Fame event. So I thought you did a great job. And uh, uh, I was uh, commenting to uh, one of our friends, I was like, now, you've got uh, you know long white hair. Why can't you get your hair to look like Pat Nunley's? That may have been Mr. Holt I was given a hard time because his hair seems to kind of, you know, he's, it's a little more unruly than yours. And uh, it, it is, but you know, the, the, I, I really enjoy doing those. But I kid, kind of, that um, that shows you just what a dear friend Alan Holt is to me. Uh, he asks me to emcee those uh, events, and I'm I'm really elated to do it. But Alan and I go way, way back. We were roommates in college, and have remained great friends ever since. So whatever he asks me to do, I'll do it. Now, I think y'all were SAEs together. Were you too busy with basketball to ever participate in uh, sing in pigskin, or did you ever? were you ever able to uh, make an appearance there on stage? You know, I actually did, and um, we, we were, I played for Jim Howler, who was terrific, and he, he, was, he encouraged us all to be involved on campus. He wanted us to be part of the student body. And so one of my, well, a couple of my teammates, Jim Pashaskas, Chris Gonser, Charlie Jackson, were in the fraternity with me. And actually one year, this is, this is how starved for talent they were. Um, I'm a closet drummer. And so one year we, the, this, our sing act had its own band and I lugged my drums up there and we clunked <laughs> our way through Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Band. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I don't, I don't know that we placed that year, but it sure was yeah. fun. 
Yeah, I, I will look for footage of that. You know, um, I'm, I'm not going to go back and get your old tapes, but I would like to see you working the drums. And I could see you maybe wearing some sunglasses, perhaps, but kind of a, uh, yeah, in, inspired by the Beatles. By the way, have you watched the Beatles, uh, this documentary that's out? I, that if you need yeah. to, if you need about like fifty hours to kill, that's like the <laughs> that's the great, especially like as you're you're uh, on a plane or something. That that is the yeah. greatest documentary I've seen in a long time. That uh, that they, that they released here recently on Apple TV. Yeah, that's the first thing I'm going to do when we get past basketball season because I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to invest in it. Those oh. are my guys, and so I'm going to watch every minute of it. Haven't seen it yet, but I've heard all the reviews. I can't wait. Yeah, it was uh, unreal. Talking to Pat Nunley, uh, longtime color analyst for Baylor uh, basketball. You can hear him on ESPN Central Texas. Uh, Pat, what were you thinking the other day? I mean, you've seen this a million times. The team get way down. Fortunately, Baylor's been the team that's come back before. But to be up 29-4, to I mean, I think everybody's like, well, this thing, you know, it's going to be a laugher. That That's a tough thing, isn't it, when another team – gets all that momentum and excitement, and then you got to find a way to dig down and win it toward the end. I mean, that that got scary. I was thinking about later all the things that would have been messed up. I mean, the senior speeches, the, uh, uh, the, the championship, the Big 12 championship itself. I mean, there would have been no reason to bring out all those risers, and you would have had to put that Big 12 trophy away. I mean, there was a lot of that, – that, that would have been awful on a lot of levels. That would have been awful. And so I just couldn't envision it happening. But so so they're up 29-4, and I'm thinking don't take your gas off the uh, your foot off the gas pedal. Just don't. But I think it's human nature. I mean, they're up that much, and they are a well-oiled machine. And so it's 29-4 with like five minutes to play in the half. I mean, it was way up. And, and I, we're, John and I are in the air saying – you know, if I'm TJ Altsberger, the Iowa State coach, I'm thinking get it manageable by halftime. Just get it to within striking distance. And I think what happened, Matt, was Iowa State, uh, one of the worst free—I'm sorry—three-point shooting teams in the league, just threw everything out the window. We don't care about stats. Uh, winning this game would be nice, but we really didn't expect to. And they just started playing, and they started making shots. And you look up at halftime, and it's 10. And then they score the first bucket of the second half. Now it's eight. And we're reeling, and we're just trying to figure out how to get it going again, which is hard to do. I mean, you've been there. you got a 25-point lead, and now you got to get your game face back on. And they went up two with three and a half minutes to play. And it was, it was game on before then. But now you're at crunch time, and you're thinking, how in the world do we win? And somehow James Akinjo put together a five-point possession, and that separated the two teams. And but for that, um, it was it was down to the wire. And so we all heaved a huge sigh of relief because you're right, Matt. If that thing had gone south, oh my goodness, I I didn't even want to think about it. I'm glad <laughs> we didn't have to. <laughs> it what, was awful. What, Pat, what do you think about this Big 12 tournament? Uh, Scott has made it no secret the NCAA tournament is obviously most important to him and most every coach. But it's, it is interesting because, you know, how do you, what message do you send to your team? And 
I've seen them in the past have a great run in the tournament. You've seen it, uh, um, uh, you know, when they play, get all the way to the championship. Now, they haven't won it, unfortunately, but I, I do feel like they can use that every once in a while as kind of a, a momentum into March Madness, although, Scott, this is a team that rest wouldn't be the worst thing uh, if they got if they got knocked out in that game against Oklahoma. How do you how do you feel like Scott and has his approach to this tournament changed a little bit over the years in your in your from your vantage point? Yeah, Matt, I don't think it has. And and uh-huh. here's why. When when Scott came here nineteen years ago, I remember one of the first things he said was, We are going to play for championships. Every championship we have an opportunity to win, pre-conference tournament, Big 12 tournament, whatever it is, we're going to win it. And he won the Paradise Jam, I think it was in 2007, first tournament championship Baylor had won in years. And it was sort of, this is what I'm talking about. Like, we're, we don't go to play well. We go to, we, we want a trophy. And they won that one. And then, you know, played a couple of times for the Big 12 Tournament Championship. So that's just who they are. And I don't think one thing changes about the, the Big 12 Tournament. I don't think they're thinking about rest. Now, last mm-hmm. year they needed rest because they'd had that COVID pause. They don't need it. They're on a roll. I think they're the hottest team in the Big 12. And they're, they're going to Kansas City with one goal in mind. And they'll worry about the NCAA Tournament later. But, you know, Scott always says, too, you play the season in four parts. You, you play pre-conference, you play conference, you play the Big 12 tournament, you play the NCAA tournament. And we want to win each, each of those four. Go 15-0 and pre-conference, that's a win. Win the Big 12 championship. They want to win the Big 12 tournament championship, and they want to win a national championship. That's, that's who they are, and I don't think one thing changes about that. All right, I was curious, what was your favorite game ever at uh, at the Irwin Center? I was there Monday to to uh uh to close that uh close that venue down and and that was uh, really interesting thinking back on all the times there over the years um and I I I thought about one game but I think that game happened at HOT when y'all beat Texas and they were number 1 in the country and 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 uh Mike Wacker got his knee hurt was uh was that at y'all's place? That was at the Arnotex Coast State. That was my first year out. And so I'm courtside okay. doing the game. Yeah, yeah, that was at HOT. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I just remember listening to that. But now, do you have any uh, memories of uh, of the uh, Irwin Center? Good memories, bad memories, or uh, any concerts that you saw there over the years? Yeah, you know, my memory, and I mentioned this, I think, the day that we played that game. Uh, selfishly, it was the very first game I played there because that was the very first year of the Irwin Center. So I was there to open it up, and then we were there last week to close it down. But that first game, you know, a year prior to that, I'm playing high school basketball in Birdville Coliseum in Fort Worth, and all of a sudden I'm walking into the Taj Mahal. I mean, this place was unlike anything I had ever seen. Hadn't seen many because this is, you know, halfway through my freshman year. And that's the memory. It really is. That that was – um, part of my welcoming to big time basketball because they were very good. They had Jim Crevax, they had Ovi Dotson, wow. they had um, Johnny Moore, they had a great uh, pro career with the Spurs. 
and they won the NIT that year. And that was that was back in the day when NCAA only took 32 teams, the tournament. So everybody that went to the NIT was really good, and Texas certainly was in that category. But that's my memory. And Bears have had a lot of good, a lot of luck down there recently, particularly under Coach Drew. But that's the one. Very nostalgic for me, but that's what I'll always remember. All right. Well, Birdville, by the way, Birdville Baptist would show up at our youth uh, camps, and <laughs> in the uh, some of the uh, some of the prettiest girls, as I recall. Um, of course, that was always nice to kind of branch out from your own uh, youth group, but. Uh, came from right there at Birdville Baptist Church. So I, I do, that's, that's, that's where my mind goes well. when you bring up Birdville. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mind tends to go there as well. You're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the Birdville Independent School District. We played Birdville Coliseum, which was a nice high school facility, but it was not the Irwin Center. I promise you that. No, it, but that multi-event center they have now uh, is pretty amazing. I, I think uh, the football and everything, Birdville, seems like they have an amazing place out there. But uh, yeah. anyway, I'm sure if I if I went there, I'd find a uh, Nunley jersey, so I'll have to take a trip out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, you'd have to walk into the, uh, the, the halls <laughs> of the Birdville Coliseum to find it. But I'd love to do that. I would love to <laughs> stroll back through memory lane and uh, go to Birdville and see what's up yeah. these days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, we uh we it was always fun to have you and and hope to get to run into you uh when we're uh when we're getting there uh in Kansas City. It's going to be a fun run for both the men and women and uh look forward to listening to you right here on ESPN Central Texas. All right, Matt. Always a pleasure visiting with you. We'll see you in Kansas City. You bet. There he goes, Pat Nunley. The uh, the analyst of the uh, Baylor Bears, he's been doing it for a lot of years in a really cool celebration the other day. Sounds like it may have been orchestrated by our own John Morris, and those two have been uh, really stalwarts and uh, great voices, great friends, and it's one of the great uh, duos in the Southwest Conference. In fact, I'd, I'm going to have to ask John, who's the – there's somebody there's, – there's probably somebody that's been – because John's still – John and Pat are both still pretty young guys. So there's somebody in the Big 12 who's done it longer. But there can't be a lot because they're now sneaking up on about 40 years. Uh, and uh, and then Pat was celebrated for that just the other day. Pat and 